I love you. I don't know if you remember, but I used to say when I said that, uh, that doesn't mean I like you. And the reason I did that is I was wanting to explain what it meant to say I love you. It doesn't mean I have warm fuzzies or am attracted to you, but it means I'm committed to you. And so I would say that little thing at the end. It doesn't mean I like you. And, uh, but uh, a while back, somebody got offended. After the service, they really... Um, said that that really made them feel bad. They thought I was talking right to them, and, and so I didn't intend to, and, but I don't s- say that anymore. I say, I love you, and then I don't add the part that I might not like you, because I do, probably. Some of you I haven't met, and I'm assuming I would, but anyway. You, you notice that people get offended easily nowadays? It just doesn't take a whole lot, and uh, you, know, you just always have to be sort of careful. I thought it'd be kind of fun maybe to get a group of people together and we'd just go to the mall or the airport and just see how many people we could offend, just for fun. <laughs> and we could, uh, we could all take off and we could use our own line. Uh, you know, I might try one like, wow, you're ugly. Uh, or maybe, boy, I feel sorry for your wife. We could all sort of come up with our own lines there and we'd come back and say, well, how'd yours go? How'd yours go? And see who could offend the most people. I uh, was chatting with a fellow not too long ago, and I suggested that they uh, weren't a Christian, that it would be a good thing for them maybe to uh, become a Christian, follow Christ, and they, they got really offended at me. And their, their statement was, well, who are you to judge me? I said, I'm, I'm not judging you at all. I'm just trying to help. I mean, I'd feel really bad if I got to heaven and looked around and you weren't there. Uh, I feel like I neglected, was negligent in communicating to you about the good news. Um, But that's just kind of the way it is now. Everybody sort of has their own idea. They think it's okay to make their own rules. It's sort of your way, my way, whoever, and who am I to tell you how to get to heaven? I'm not telling you. I'm just communicating what God says in his word. Many people, many people think they're Christians. He headed for heaven when they die, but they're not, and they don't know it. They think they are, but they're not, and they don't know it. Jesus uh, and John in Luke 13 said this, and someone said to Jesus, Lord, are there just a few? Are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the door of the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door, saying, Lord, open up to us. He'll answer and say to you, I, I don't know you. don't know who you are. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know, I do not know you. Depart from me. Depart from me. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out. Heaven is a place of joy. It's an incomprehensible joy. It's a place of peace. There's no politics. There's no war. And when I get there, I get a new body like that of Jesus. It won't get old. It'll never feel bad. I think I'll be able to fly. I'll be skinny, have lots of hair, and I will sing as well as anybody up here with my new body. And I get that because of my salvation. And uh, there are many who won't be there. They'll be in the lake of fire and hell, where it's torment and agony forever. Many think they're Christians because they believe in God. I regularly, in conversations with people, will ask this question. Suppose you died right now. 
and stood before God, and he says to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What would your answer be? And I regularly have people say, well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Um, sort of a, an intellectual assent to historical fact. James says this, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. And are they going to be there? Obviously not. A belief that is simply an acknowledgement of a historical fact is not saving faith. It's not what gets you in. Many think they're Christians because they're good. I asked an individual once that question about, suppose you die and stand before God, and he says, why should I let you in? What would you say? And he said, well, I'll never forget this line. He says, I've been good. And, and in fact, I've been good to my mother-in-law. <laughs> Evidently, that was his ultimate in goodness, you know. Uh, Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none. There's none righteous, not even one. See, all it takes to keep you out is just one, one mess up. Romans 3.23, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2.8.9, for by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's a gift. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. You see, in order to earn our way to heaven, to earn our way to heaven, we have to be perfect. I... I'm not, and uh, you aren't either. Not even a little sin. It only takes one to keep you out. Many think they're Christians because they've had a religious experience in the past. I've had a lot of religious experiences. My mom was a pretty good mom. She took me to church every weekend. She took me to Sunday school. She took me to summer camp. If we had five vacation Bible schools in our area, I went to all of them. And it, it, if you remember back when you went to vacation Bible school, they do the craft stuff, and then at the last day they give a, a lesson, a Bible lesson, and then they give this little invitation. Anybody want to invite Jesus into their heart? And so whenever that was given, I'd raise my hand. I mean, who wouldn't? And they would pray a prayer, and I'd pray with them and invite Jesus into my heart. And I, every summer, five times I got saved. Um, I don't know which one took, but I think one of them did. Uh, whether it's raise your hand, walk an aisle, uh, pray a prayer, get baptized, go to church. We often think that some kind of uh, religious experience is what's going to do it. Matthew seven twenty two, Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, that's the day we stand before him at the end of our life, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name cast out demons, in your name perform many miracles? Then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Depart from me. Our eternal destiny is so important. We're talking forever. Heaven, hell. We shouldn't be naive and make assumptions that may not, may not be true, but check out our faith to see if it is real. When I was in college, my senior year, I took a class that was required for my major, and it was the last, uh, the last term I was in, and it was required for my major, and I took the final. And because it was the end of the year, school year, and I was getting ready to head home for the farm, to the farm, and it was busy, I didn't really study as hard. I thought, I know this stuff, no problem. I took the test. I thought, surely I'd aced it. Got a note from my professor and went to see him, and he says, hey, we have a problem. I said, what's that? He said, you flunked your test. No. Yep. Don't I need that to graduate? Yep. We don't offer the class again until this time next year. You mean I don't get to graduate? 
and I have to come back next year? That's, that's the way it works. And so I got a call the next day, and he says, hey, I think we're going to work it out. We can take the test this next week. So I studied really hard, and I passed it, and I graduated. I got a second chance. When you stand before Jesus at the end of your life, there are no uh, do-overs. There's no second chances. There's no, hey, let's just send you back to earth and give you a second try at it. See if you can get it right this time. No, when you stand before Jesus and you hear him say, I don't know who you are, depart from me. Uh, there's no second chance. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, test yourselves, test yourselves. You don't have to take a test like a college class, but test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So let me suggest a couple of tests, three. First, ask the question, do I really love Jesus? Do I really love Jesus? We talk about what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is one who loves the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart, soul, and might. So that's an easy question to ask. And it's a relatively easy question to say, yes, I do. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Being a Christian isn't so much about what we know, but that we know and have a real and growing relationship with him. Not that we know about him, but we know him personally. 1 Corinthians 16, 22, if anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. If he doesn't love the Lord, he's to be accursed. That means you're, you're not in. Second test to determine if we're really born-again Christian is, am I truly wanting, wanting to become more righteous and obey Jesus? Uh, you know, uh, some people say, well, boy, I couldn't be good enough. Nobody can, and we all fail, and we'll continue to sin and fail, but the, it's the issue of the want, the hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see, we change on the inside when we become a true follower of Jesus. When we really love him, our heart changes because he changes it. He gives us something new. John 3, 36, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The wrath of God abides on him. Hebrews 5, 9, Jesus became to all those who obey him the source of eternal life. We're not saved by being good, but if we are truly born again, we will have been, we will have been changed on the inside. He changes us. And the result will be a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And a third test to determine if we're really fooling ourselves, self-deceived, about being a child of God who is headed for heaven is are we following Jesus as Lord of our life. That means are we following him, obeying him, serving him? Or is he on the shelf someplace that we occasionally think about? Somebody said, you don't give an invitation in your church. I said, you mean like Billy Graham... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what would it look like if we did? Well, you know, how Billy Graham did it. Maybe we should do one like Jesus did. Uh, Matthew 9, 9, Jesus went on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me. That was his invitation. Follow me. And he got up and he followed him. Matthew 10, 38, he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's the invitation he gave. So um, that's a fairly easy question to ask. Am I following Jesus? 
So you ask the question, do I love him? Am I growing and striving to please him? And am I following him, serving him with my life? Um, somebody asked me once, what's a Christian? Uh, I said, there's lots of definitions, but my favorite one is the best definition of a Christian that I know is a Christian is a fully devoted follower, fully devoted follower, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. God is God. He's in charge. That means I don't make the rules. I don't decide uh, how I get in. Heaven is his home. We get into his eternal family by doing things his way, not ours. Jesus put it this way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That is by uh, my rules. So if you were to say to me after this service, hey, pastor, I'd like to become a believer, really, truly follow Jesus. Uh, and so I'd say, okay, ABC, ABC. A stands for admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. If he doesn't do it, you're not going to make it. Admit that you are. Second, believe, be. Believe in Jesus. That is not just believe in the fact that he existed, uh, but believe in him personally. Believe in what he did, who he is. Believe the gospel. And then C, commit yourself to following Jesus and obeying him. And so I, I have a prayer that I use and uh, it's in your bulletin. If you, it's on the back of that little Easter thing. And in the foyer, on the back tables next to the windows, there's some um, harder uh, cardstock that's on there. You could pick one of those up if you like. And so, if I've gone through those tests, and if you were just like a little bit nervous about any of those, uh, pray this prayer with me now. I, I read it and pray it fairly regularly. Dear Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I've broken many of your laws. I admit that I don't deserve heaven and never will. I accept your free gift of eternal life that you are offering to me now. I believe, I believe that you, Jesus, are God, equal with the Father. I believe that you emptied yourself of all that you were as God and that you left heaven, became just exactly like me in every way. I believe that you never sinned, not even a little one, not even in thought or attitude. I believe that you were nailed to the cross, and while you hung there, God the Father took all of my sins, past, present, and future, put them on you, looked at you as if you actually committed the sins that I committed, and punished you for my sins. You took my place. I believe that you physically died on that cross, that you were buried, that three days later you rose from the dead, and that you are alive today. I believe that. I now commit my life to you. You have purchased me with your blood. I belong to you. I declare you to be Lord of my life. I will obey you and do whatever you ask, and I will follow you and serve you all the days of my life. I know that I will fail many times as your disciple. Thank you for your continual forgiveness of me. I will not take advantage of your forgiveness, mercy, and grace to live the way I want, but I will accept your forgiveness and live my life free from the fear of failing. I admit that I don't have the ability to live for you and to follow you in my own strength. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit now lives in me and gives me the strength to grow and please you with all my life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this free gift. Thank you that we can be born again. We can live in heaven with a new body and joy and beauty and peace forever and ever and ever because of what you've done. 
Lord, we know in the very core of our being that we are eternal. We know that we will live on after death. I pray that each one would want to know for sure, without a doubt, that when they die, they will hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Come on in, rather than I don't know who you are, depart from me. We look forward to the day we're going to see you face to face. Thank you for the free gift. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.